Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. I'm your host, Heather Klug, registered dietitian at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center. With me today is our health communications coordinator, Bethany DeBrew Adams. Hello, Bethany. Hello, Heather. So, Bethany, it is Sleep Awareness Week. Yay! Best week of the year. (laughs) So today we will be discussing why sleep is so important to your heart health and the specific challenges to healthy sleep that women face. Yes, and this year the National Sleep Foundation, who is the group that puts on Sleep Awareness Week, has given it the theme of Celebrate Sleep Health. Woohoo! Yeah, so... About a year ago now, we did a podcast about the basics of sleep, the 411 of sleep. Mm -hmm. It was kind of right at the beginning of the pandemic and the lockdowns, and we were making major adjustments to schedules and kids and life and all of that. seems like a lifetime ago. I know, right? (laughs) So I think now that we've been in this for a year or five or 20, whatever (laughs) it feels like, We've had some time to kind of get used to it. It's a good time to check in about our sleep. So, Heather, how have you been sleeping? There's the answer right there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Have you been sleeping? No, I'm sleeping. As you all know, this is not like the category I do super awesome in. There has to be one. Yeah, I guess. It's like my one vice. Yeah. <laughs> I like sleep, but I don't always get the recommended amount I should be getting. Mm-hmm. But I am a hard sleeper when I do sleep. So that's the good thing. It's probably because you're, you're too tired. But. I know. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I go in cycles. Sometimes I'm sleeping like really well. I'm getting that seven hours or more each night. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have weeks where I don't do quite as well. I'm usually able to make it up on the weekends a little bit more, which I know they say is a big no-no, but yeah, so that's how I'm doing. How about you, Bethany? Well, it's interesting. So I had COVID back in October. That was my acute phase. Mm -hmm. And like up until then, I think I was doing pretty well. And then I got sick and I've been dealing with long COVID since then. And it's kind of messed with my sleep. Because imagine I have that fatigue, that really like overwhelming fatigue Mm -hmm. almost all the time. But I've discovered that fatigue and being sleepy are not the same thing. Oh, so just because I feel exhausted, yeah, doesn't mean I'm gonna fall asleep, you know, like that, and it's gonna be I'm gonna be out and I'm gonna be like sleeping hard for eight hours. Okay, no, so I feel like sometimes I sleep really well and sometimes I just don't okay and even when I'm really tired I can't get enough sleep it feels like it feels like a constant struggle so yeah Hmm. so I think we both need some work yeah (laughs) sounds like it so since we're going to be talking about challenges to healthy sleep Heather why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what healthy sleep actually means Well, since I don't know, we'll go according to what the (laughs) National Sleep Foundation says. (laughs) Good choice. They say healthy sleep begins with two natural internal processes that help keep our bodies on track. The first process increases our need to sleep based on how long we are awake. Okay. Okay. And the second is something I'm sure most everyone has heard of. This is what I think of. 
And that is our circadian rhythm. Yes. Mm -hmm. The circadian rhythm runs on a 24-hour cycle where we feel most awake during the day and sleepiest at night. And this process is strongly influenced by light. Okay. Because circadian rhythm can vary from person to person, some of us feel more alert and awake in the morning and others feel that way at night. I feel that way at night. What about yeah, you? I do too, mostly. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately for both of us, we yeah. feel that way at night. It's also important to mention that our circadian rhythm changes during different phases of our lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure this seems pretty obvious, but children have the earliest circadian timing mm -hmm. with a need to be asleep earlier in the evening. Yeah. And then they also tend to wake up a little earlier in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah. They're ready to go at five <laughs> in the morning. <sighs> oh, to be like I'm a little awake. Kid. <laughs> Play with me. <laughs> then in our teens and 20s, we get a little more surly and we tend to have <laughs> a later sleep schedule. We go to bed later. We wake up later. Mm -hmm. And that makes some of life in those years, difficult, you know, having to wake up early, having to go to work or go to school and yeah. trying to go to bed early enough to get the right amount of sleep that can oh, be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, as we kind of move into our golden years, we revert back to that early circadian rhythm where we're going to bed a little earlier and waking up earlier. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that I will ever keep the sleep schedule I had as a kid. <laughs> I know, though, that I can always use more sleep than I seem to get. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty typical for most women, too. Most adult women need a minimum of seven hours of sleep each night, but one in three say they don't get that recommended amount. Yeah, I and believe that. I thought it would be higher, to be honest. Yeah. I thought it'd be like two and three. Yeah, I could see that. We tend to look at sleep as a luxury, I think, rather than an essential time for our body to recuperate. It's something that we put on a pedestal like a vacation, Yeah, but it's, it's really necessary. We need that recuperation time. So our sleep is made up of two stages. There's REM sleep, which is known as rapid eye movement, and non-REM sleep. And mm -hmm. during those non-REM sleep stages, our heart rate slows, our blood pressure drops, and our breathing stabilizes. And these changes allow our heart to recover from all the stress and the strain and everything we do to it during our waking hours. That means that if we aren't getting enough sleep at night, we're not spending enough time in these deep non-REM stages that right. help our hearts. And that's where some of the problems can arise. Let's discuss some of those, Bethany. Okay, yeah. So let's start with blood pressure. During normal, healthy sleep, our blood pressure drops by about 10 to 20 percent. Hmm. And this is a phenomenon known as nocturnal dipping, Ooh. which has nothing to do with potato chips and sour cream and onion dip. Or skinny dipping. Or skinny dipping. <laughs> this means that poor sleep is associated with non-dipping, hmm. which, as I'm sure you figured out, means that that person's blood pressure does not go down at night. Yeah. So now your blood vessels aren't getting that break from the stress that they're supposed to get when you sleep, and that causes some pretty nasty problems. Yeah, and I'm assuming this means that there's an increased risk for heart attack and stroke, right? Yep, you got it. Not to mm. mention also kidney problems and reduced blood flow to your brain as well. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, studies have found that elevated nighttime blood pressure is even more predictive of heart problems than high blood pressure during the day. 
Hmm. So if you aren't getting good, solid sleep at night, it is a good idea to talk to your healthcare provider so you can get checked to see if you have any sort of sleep disorders or, you know, you can address any problems that seem to have arisen because of this not being able to sleep well. Okay. We also know that coronary artery disease can develop due to poor sleep. Yeah. We've talked about this condition in previous podcasts, but just to recap, coronary artery disease happens when plaque builds in the arteries, hardening and narrowing them, which then reduces the ability of the heart to get enough blood and oxygen. Mm -hmm. We know that inflammation causes plaque to form and poor sleep triggers chronic inflammation. So you can see how the dominoes fall in this circumstance. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's not hard to draw that line at all. And again, we can go back to blood pressure here because if you have high blood pressure due to poor sleep, that's going to exacerbate coronary artery disease. Mm -hmm. High blood pressure strains your arteries and it makes them less effective at bringing blood to the heart. And as a result, you're going to get that contribution to the coronary artery disease. And with that, you're increasing your risk for heart attack. Well, perfect segue, Bethany. Thank you. Sleep deprivation also raises the risk of heart attacks. Mm -hmm. People sleeping less than six hours a night have a 20% higher chance of having a heart attack. That is not an insignificant number. No. So before we mentioned how non-REM sleep is important because it helps your heart slow down and recover from the day, but REM sleep, which is the deep sleep in which most of your dreams take place, Mm. involves heightened stress and activity. Your brain is doing stuff. Mm -hmm. We need both of these in order to achieve a healthy night of sleep. And when we aren't getting enough sleep, the balance of these stages can be thrown way off, which increases your heart attack risk. And this also holds true for interrupted sleep as well. So, you know, it's not just not being able to fall asleep or whatever, it's if you keep getting woken up in the middle of the night. Because both heart rate and blood pressure can spike when you wake. Frequent sleep disruptions can cause cardiac stress and might even trigger a heart attack. The final problem that poor sleep can contribute to is heart rate issues. When you're getting normal, healthy sleep, your heart rate drops during non-REM sleep stages and then slowly picks up as you prepare to wake up. But if you're not getting that healthy sleep, or if, like Bethany just mentioned, you are abruptly woken, you can get a sharp spike in your heart rate. Mm -hmm. And research has also found that people with sleep problems are more likely to complain of an irregular heartbeat. That's interesting. Yeah. And for those Hmm. of you who are active dreamers, like myself, a study in older adults found that people who have frequent nightmares we're considerably more likely to report having an irregular heartbeat. Nightmares, you know, think about this. They might increase your heart rate. Yeah. They're usually intense. Right. Scary, you know. And if a person's sleep is disturbed by a nightmare, they may wake up when that heart rate has increased and mm-hmm. they feel like their heart is racing. So I don't know about you, but I've definitely had this happen a few times in my life. Yeah, I've had a few nightmares. (laughs) Waking or sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So now that we know the direct impacts poor sleep can have on our hearts, let's discuss women in particular. Okay. 70 million Americans suffer from sleep problems. 
but women are more likely to have them than men. I bet all of you listening were not surprised to hear that statement. And women are also more prone to certain sleep disorders than men are. Maybe we should change our podcast to (laughs) being a woman sucks. Yeah, it certainly (laughs) seems that way. It's like every time we discuss anything, it's like, bummer, women, this affects you more. It's not fair being a woman. There we go. There we go. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to be a woman. Well, women are 40% more likely to suffer from insomnia than men are. They're also twice Mm. as likely as men to have restless leg syndrome, which is a situation where you feel an uncomfortable urge to move your legs. And this can keep you awake or can interrupt your sleep. And women are more likely to suffer from chronic pain issues like fibromyalgia or migraine or arthritis and heartburn, and those can all lead to poor or interrupted sleep. I've had troubles with all three of these issues, the insomnia, the restless legs, the chronic pain at different points in my life, and they're no fun because, I mean, they just make sleeping that much more difficult. Yeah, they don't sound fun at all well here's a statistic that i found very interesting you know i like statistics i know you do a study conducted in 2013 found that women sleep about 11 minutes longer a night than men which surprises me a little bit yeah but despite getting more sleep overall researchers found that women's sleep is of a poorer quality than men okay that part doesn't surprise me. no that doesn't Obviously, the issues you just mentioned are going to mess with women's sleep, but I can think of other situations <laughs> as well. And being a mom of two, my first thought goes to pregnancy and then parenting, you know, newborns and children. Right. So did you deal with sleep issues when you were going through that phase of your life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, being pregnant, like the beginning, you read about it and it's totally true. You just end up peeing a lot more in the beginning, which is like the baby's so small. Why do you have to go to the bathroom? Right. And then there were like three good months in the middle where you feel good. And then the last three months, yeah, you start to not sleep well again. Ugh. I know they say, oh, it's to kind of train you for once the baby comes, but it kind of stinks because you're uncomfortable. I mean, you yeah. gain so much weight and then even with the sleep pillow, you just... It's not always easy to get comfortable, you know, all of that. And then after they're born, I mean, that was even worse. Yeah. I breastfed my children. So, you know, they'd wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, I'd be getting like two hours of sleep at a time, sometimes three. So those months were really, really hard. Yeah. It gets a little better as they get older. But even when they're like two and three, they get their nightmares, those little night terrors. Right. They're waking you up. I have to go to the bathroom. I need water. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy. I'm in a good place now, though. My kids don't really wake up a whole lot. So it's on on me now to get the sleep. It's not because of them. You can't, you have nobody but yourself. Although the dogs sometimes get in the way. Oh, yeah. They do move around in the bed. Yeah. My dog, well, he's elderly. So sometimes (laughs) he wakes up and I'd rather have him wake me up and tell me he needs to go out than to take care of the business himself inside the house. Yeah. So it's interesting that you said that that third trimester is supposed to be training your body for the baby. You'd think, you know, if, if your body wanted to be nice about it, 
It should do that during the second trimester so that during the third trimester you can get all of your sleep in <laughs> right? for when the baby comes. Before your life changes dramatically. Exactly. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Women experience sleep issues during pregnancy at a pretty high rate, particularly, like you mentioned, in the third trimester mm-hmm. when symptoms of restless leg syndrome, incontinence, pain, and just overall discomfort are high and naturally that can continue into the postpartum phase when your hormones drop so you're dealing with that already and then along with a newborn who needs your attention at very inconvenient times even if you have a supportive partner let's be real i mean a crying baby wakes everybody even if you're not the person who's getting up and taking care of the situation i used to be a nanny and i remember putting him down for a nap and man alive i could be sound asleep on the couch and the minute that boy woke up whole the whole neighborhood knew about it (laughs) oh yeah that is so true i mean even now i'm kind of a little bit of a lighter sleeper compared to before Mm -hmm. just because I think I'm just attuned now that I'm a mom. Like yeah, something could that. happen. Yeah. I think that you have to be that way until they're off at college. Maybe. And then you worry about other things. But anyway, <laughs> and obviously women's hormones aren't just a factor during pregnancy and afterward. Gender differences in sleep quality start to become apparent during puberty when hormones are beginning to ramp up, mm-hmm. right? So anytime that women are having hormone fluctuations, whether it's during her menstrual cycle, pregnancy, or menopause, sleep can start going a little haywire. Boy, can it. I know that I have insomnia issues usually about two or three days before my period. No matter how tired I am, I'll lay down. My body's like, nope, we're going to be awake tonight. You know, like, we're feeling good. Let's get up and do stuff, which drives me insane. Interesting. You know, I've I've talked about my sleep issues before, so it makes me feel a little better to know that there are these biological differences between men and women. It's not just the hormone part, but women take longer than men to fall asleep generally, and then they spend more time in slow-wave deep sleep than men do. Hmm. And older women also report more sleepiness than men, and they sleep 20 minutes less Per night on average than men do. Fun facts all around. Well, now that we know what women are up against and how poor sleep can impact the heart, what can we do about it? What does the National Sleep Foundation recommend, Bethany? She's asking me this even though she doesn't want to hear the answer. Well, I know knows. what I know what one of them is going to be. <laughs> she she knows that she's not going <laughs> to agree with this. So the National Sleep Foundation has come up with a handy acronym, and it's an easy one to remember too. It's sleep. <gasps> oh, I love that. Right, it works really easy. nicely. So here is what they mean then when they say to make time for sleep. Hmm. Sleep it means structure. So they want you to establish a regular routine. That's the part she doesn't like. Oh, that's the part I suck at. (laughs) They want you to set times for going to sleep and waking up and keep or return to structured activities in your days, especially if your schedule has changed. So as things start happening where we're opening up more, vaccines are being given, kids are maybe going back to in-person school, going back to the office, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to adapt. Yeah. The second one is light. 
spend time in natural light. Whether you're outside or indoors near a nice big window, bright light helps you feel more alert. Mm-hmm. And it also kind of helps keep your body regulated, your hormones regulated, which is going to help you sleep better. They recommend to avoid napping except for young children. I think... Boo. I know. Not that I nap a lot, but... (laughs) I think what they're saying here is, you know, a cat nap, which is about 15 to 20 minutes, you don't want to nap for longer than that. That can be helpful over the course of a day, but anything beyond that, you might end up just messing with your schedule that night then. Yeah. So... But how do you get in just 15, 20 minutes? Like... How do you time that perfectly? I don't know. If you're my <laughs> husband, you can do it like super easy. Because you'd want to set your alarm clock. Right. Right. So and how do you even do that? You can't set it for 20 minutes because then it might take you five, 10 minutes to I fall asleep. I would say set it for a half an hour. Okay. And then that gives you that 10 minutes to 15 minutes to fall asleep. And if you don't. And if you don't. Get up. It's a loss. Okay. Got it. So next electronics limit the use of electronics before bed turn your screens off an hour before bed keep your room dark cool comfortable and ready for sleep if you don't have blackout curtains get yourself some eye shades quiet get yourself some earplugs you know keep your room at a temperature i know you like it warmer Mm. i tend to like it just a little bit cooler you know make it as comfortable for you yeah then exercise We talk about this all the time with heart health. We want you to exercise regularly. Mm -hmm. In this case, physical activity increases your drive to sleep at night, as well as reduces your stress and improves your mood, which will also help you sleep a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And finally, prioritize. Prioritize your sleep. Reinforce the benefits of sleep with your family members. You know me, I guard my sleep with my life. I don't want anybody messing with it. So model that good behavior for your kids. I know you shared with me that your kids are better at sleeping they than are. you are. They are. So And my husband's better too. Yeah, my <laughs> husband is too. So they get one good sleep role model. <laughs> exactly. So that's a that's just a good way to remember what you need to do in order to give yourself the best opportunity at having a healthy night's sleep. Well, these are all solid strategies to celebrate sleep health. Yeah. And I will consider the structure one a little (laughs) bit more. Okay. So take a minute to share with us how you keep yourself well rested or any questions you have about sleep and your heart. If you're listening to us on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss an episode or any of our other heart-healthy content. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, everyone. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Happy sleeping. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at Kenan's Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Middle Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyantcenter.org. Like us on Facebook at Center and follow us on Facebook if you like what you hear. So, and be sure to tell us. Until next time, be ruler of your own heart.